Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's that time of the week again. Time to open up the garage and talk some sports. As always, I'm your host, Nick McVicker. This week, I'm going solo. Unfortunately, Justin couldn't join me, but don't fret. We've got lots of sports to talk about, and I'm ready to go. This week, we've got NHL and NBA playoffs, MLB early season stories, and a little footy for our soccer friends. Let's get right into it with what is unfortunately only the second biggest story in Toronto this week with the tragic events of Monday taking the top story. Our thoughts are with all of those affected, as this senseless act took away from a rather positive day in the city. But it also showed the resiliency of not only Toronto, but everyone who has ever had senseless acts happen like this in their backyard. Toronto stood together, none more obvious than the police officer who refused to shoot. And we showed the world that we aren't to be messed with. For everyone affected, please make sure that if you have any issues, please... Don't be afraid to reach out. These are the times where people stand together, so everyone will be there to help you. Now, on a more positive note, the City of Toronto also hosted a rather major sporting event last night. Game 6 of the uh, Eastern Conference first round of the NHL. And by George, we're going back to Boston. The Maple Leafs managed to outlast the Boston Bruins in that third period. And they won that game. And in all honesty, they were going to win that game regardless. They pushed hard and they made sure that they had the goals going into the third. And they looked good. In my opinion, they looked really, really good. And they need to figure out one more game because it's going to game seven. And not many people really expected that after the first two games of this series. Like, looking back, the Leafs lost two games in Boston and got thoroughly outplayed in those two games. Was not even close. And they've somehow managed to sneak back into it right now. So, game seven, anything can happen. We'll leave it up to them to decide. But looking back at the game last night in and of itself, the stats are unbelievable. You're looking at the Boston Bruins winning 63% of the faceoffs. But going 0 for 2 on the power play. That was the key. The Leafs' power penalty kill stood tall, especially in the third period. Connor Brown. Downtown Connor Brown. Lots of different nicknames for this guy, but he stood on his head in that penalty kill along with... Uh, oh, can't remember who it was right now. It'll come to me. I'll come back to that. But they, they stood tall and they showed that they don't need it. Kapanen got a breakaway on that penalty kill too. It might have been Kapanen that he was playing with now that I think about it. But he got a breakaway, and they were showing that they weren't scared. That's what they need. That's what they got to go into that game seven with. Whether or not that works, that's another story. They're going to need Freddie Anderson to stand on his head once again. But he's been doing that all playoffs. So, hey, why not? Might as well keep it going, right? Uh, on the flip side, Bruins. Hey. Didn't push yesterday. They were they were caught not really giving it their all. So they're gonna they're gonna have Bruce Cassidy on their bums trying to make sure that they step forward, step up, and try to show that they are ready to win this game and move on to play the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, come on. They did come out, they did score the first goal a minute and two seconds into the second period. But then they gave up a quick one to Willie Nylander. They gave up another one that got called back and if you ask Justin, it should have been a goal, but I think it was the right call on the reversal. Regardless, that goal got called back, and then Mitch Marner went and scored, who, by the way, 
is the best player for the Maple Leafs in the playoffs so far. You can question me on Twitter, question me on Facebook. I don't mind. I think so far this playoffs, he is the best positional player for the Maple Leafs. And I don't even think it's close. If you look at the stats, it's clearly not close. He leads the team with points with 10. Um, I think that's by a wide margin. And you're looking at a guy who a lot of people thought, well, if they're going to have to get rid of one of the big three, why wouldn't it be Marner? Well, guess what? I don't think he's going anywhere. He has shown that he can play not only in the playoffs, but he can also play in the in the regular season too. And I think if given the opportunity, he could really show that he deserves to be on this squad. He has 12 points in six playoff games. Wee Willie Nylander, who unfortunately has disappeared has done a disappearing act this postseason. Uh, he only has six in the same number of games, so he has half the points of Mitch Marner. Matthews has uh, seven. It's not good enough right now. Marner has been the best player for the Maple Leafs in the postseason across the past two years. I have no issue saying that, and I think anyone who wants to argue with me I'll look at the numbers, but I see no reason that that's not true. Marner and Matthews and Nylander have less points than Mitch Marner. Together, they have less points than Mitch Marner. That is unacceptable for your top line. Okay? And a lot of people are saying, well, who are they going to keep? Well, you got to keep Matthews. They're not keeping all three. We know that. There's no way salary cap-wise they're going to be able to keep all three. You got to keep Matthews. He's a generational talent. He's going to be the cornerstone of your franchise for the next 10, maybe even 15 years if we're lucky. So it comes down to Marner and Nylander. If you ask me, Marner's progressed the most over the past two years. Nylander had a year on him. He played in the AHL. He had an extra year on him. Guess what? Marner over the past two years has progressed far more than Mr. Nylander. Now, I love Willie. I wish he could stay. I wish there was no salary cap so we could keep all three of these guys for the next 10 years. But guess what? There's a salary cap. Someone has to go. So why not get something for him? Why not go for that top defenseman or top 25 defenseman? I see no issue with it. If you're really concerned, why don't you get rid of one of your current defensemen? I was was posing this to Justin and uh, our hockey and football analyst, Kyle. Put Jake Gardner putting uh, Willie Nylander up. You could get a lot for those two. Gardner's not a terrible defenseman. A lot of people don't like him. He hasn't played well in the playoffs. I'll say that. But he's not terrible. You put those two together, maybe go after a Doughty. I doubt that we'll get it, but why not? Maybe a more realistic one, and this is the trade that I posed. Willie, Gardner, Heading over to the Arizona Coyotes. Pick up Oliver Ekman Larson, a first-round pick, and a prospect. If I'm the Leafs, I have no issue with that. OEL, I think, is better defensively than Gardner. He can still put up points. Top line of OEL and Riley. That's a scary thought. 
bring Dermot up to the second line to play with Zaitsev, and you get Lilgren coming in on the third line, hey, guess what? We might have a decent defensive core eventually. Maybe not yet, but that's that's a good start. If you're the Leafs, you got you got to look for something like that. You're not going to be able to do it two years down the road when Marner and Matthews are up. You're not going to be able to. You can't. You're going to have to sign those two. You have Nylander this year for a whole year. Hey, guess what? Now's the time to act. Figure it out. Anyways, back to the playoffs. Uh, this matchup is going to be an interesting one for Game 7. I mean, you're going into Boston. And yes, as Justin said, tales of the 2013 playoffs. Leafs blowing that, blowing that lead. And rightfully so. Like, they have... They did blow it in Boston in overtime. They went up 4-1. Okay? It wasn't pretty. I remember watching that game. I remember thinking to myself, we have this one. And then 9-18 into the third. Horton scores. All right, guess what? We still got two goals on them. We'll be fine. Minute 22 left in the third. Lucci scores. All right, we still have a goal. Under a minute left, Bergeron scores. Oh, it was a backbreaker. You knew it. As soon as that game went to overtime, it was Boston's game. Who says they can't flip the script? Freddie's been playing out of his mind these last few games. He can handle it. I have no doubt he can handle it. But... It's going to come down to how the rest of the team plays, how Rask plays. If the Leafs give up 52 shots, I'm sorry, I don't see them winning three games where they get outshot by 10 or more in a row. That's that's not a feasible play, way to play in the playoffs. You don't see Tampa doing that every game. You don't see Nashville doing that every game. You don't see Winnipeg doing that every game. In fact, I would put my money on it. I don't know the stats off the top of my head. But I'm going to guess that those guys probably outshoot their opponents most games. And if I'm wrong, someone let me know. But I would I would venture a guess to say that they would outshoot their opponents. Why? Because that's how good teams play. Good teams outshoot their opponents. The Leafs forever have been, well, I shouldn't say forever. The Leafs recently have shown that, yeah, they can win by getting outshot. But that's not a reasonable way to play in the playoffs. If you give a good team a chance, and all the teams in the playoffs are pretty good, if you give a good team enough chances, they're going to score. They're going to put you behind the eight ball. So guess what? Figure out a way to get less shots against. Figure out a way to get more shots for. Maybe they can figure it out. I think I think they have a chance in this game. I will say that. As much as I'm bad-mouthing them about this, I think they have a chance. Boston has lost two games in a row. It could be on their heels a little bit. They could be questioning everything. They went up 2-0 way too easily in this series. And they've sort of been letting stuff go for the last four games. The Leafs catch them again once more. If they can get out to a good start, that game could be over quick. And yes, Leaf fans, you're going to have to watch till the end because you just never know.
Anyways, let's look uh, around the rest of the playoffs quickly because, you know, all the other series are over. Let's start out in the West and uh, two sweeps, both in the same division. Vegas Golden Knights, baby, moving on in four over the LA Kings and in record-setting fashion in multiple ways. First expansion team to sweep their first playoff series. Check. Um, fewest goals allowed in a four-game series. Check. Fewest goals scored four in a four-game series while winning. Check. It's unbelievable. This team just never gives up, and they just keep forcing other teams to lose. Now, they're going to go up against a big Shark team, but that's what we said about the Kings. It'll be interesting to see because I think the Sharks are playing very well, but I actually see the Knights going through on this one again. No matter how good Evander Kane plays, no matter how good Joe Pavelski plays, no matter how good Logan Couture plays, I think I think the Knights win this series. Not because they're necessarily the better team, the better players, but they have a hot goalie in Marc-Andre Fleury. Two shutouts in his first four games of the playoffs this year, showing Fleury of old. Um... Not that Martin Jones isn't. Martin Jones is playing great. I I think Martin Jones is one of the best goalies in the playoffs right now, the way he's playing, not like actually skill-wise necessarily, but you run the risk of, hey, we're coming up against a hot goalie with a hot goalie. Like Anything can happen. Jones gave up four goals in four games. Fleury gave up three goals in four games. Jones has a 970 save percentage. Fleury has a 977 save percentage. Like, it's it's so close. So, so close. And I think the goalies are almost a wash. So you look at the rest of the team, Vegas is just a more balanced team. Across the board, yes, the Sharks may have better individual players in Burns and Pavelski and Couture, but... James Neal, Jonathan show William Carlson, they're not going down without a fight. They're going to actually show that they have fight. So, San Jose, you might want to watch out. Looking up in the other Western division, we got the Nashville Predators who took six games to knock off the Colorado Avalanche. My good old Colorado boys fought till the end. And in all honesty, I thought that was one of the most entertaining series in the first round. Um, Colorado didn't give up in any single game. They fought all the way to the end. Good for them because they deserved it. Uh, after the se- season that they had last year, showing in, showing that they deserved the playoff spot by pushing arguably, and I say arguably because I have to, the best team in the league. Uh to six games, winning two games very nicely, and even in game six, pushing with uh, getting a goal in the third period, pushing to try to knock off that two-goal lead that the Predators had going into the third. They showed that they deserved it. Nashville was going to win that series regardless, but they showed that they weren't going to roll over without a fight. But Nashville's going to be going up against Winnipeg after they dispersed of the Minnesota Wild in don't want to say anything wrong here, but they dispersed of them in five games. Yeah, five games. This is going to be an entertaining series. Two best teams in the Western Conference, bar none. These are the two best teams in the Western Conference. 
Nashville doesn't play necessarily the big body, we're going to hit you into the ground style that Winnipeg does. But they're also a scrappy team. They're not going to roll over without a fight. I mean, their fourth line right now is Scott Hartnell, Mike Fisher, and Callie Yarncroak. Yeah. They're they're gonna they're gonna bang bodies. And that defensive core, I mean, what's more to say? Ellis, Yossi, Ekholm, Subban. Arguably the top the best top four in the league. And then you got Emlyn and Matt Irwin on your third pairing. Like, come on. It's almost not fair. And the way Pekka Rene's been playing, they're good. The Jets, arguably just as good. Their fourth line right now. Actually, let's go through all of their lines. Top line of Connor, Shifley, and Wheeler. Yeah, that's right. Patrick Laine is on the second line playing with Stastny and Ehlers. Probably the best player on your team is a second-line player because that's how good this team is. Okay? Roslovic, Kopp, Little make your third line. Tanev, Lowry, Armia. I see no real weaknesses in that lineup. They're a deep team. Even on the defensive end, Truba, Chiro, Bifuglian. Yes, I said that. Yes, Bufflin. Joe Morrow are your second pair. And then you got Myers and Tucker Pullman, who's played a lot of the season with the team, so he's no slouch. They're a good team, and if Hellebuck can play the way he has been playing, guess what? This series is going to go a while because both teams are capable of making this series go. I love it. I, I think this is going to be so entertaining. I don't even want to pick a winner, but I'm calling it now. Whoever wins this series wins the cup. You can write it down. You can put it in writing anywhere you want. You can at me, tweet me, send it to me on Facebook. That is my pick. Whoever wins this series between Nashville and Winnipeg wins the Stanley Cup. Part of me wants it to be Winnipeg. Bring it home for Canada. Yes, we've been waiting, but I think whoever wins this series wins the cup, and rightfully so. Okay? If anyone wants to argue with me, I'm all ears. I would love to hear someone else say why. And yes, I think there's some other great teams. Tampa, great team. Whoever they play in the next round is going to have their hands full. In fact, I think they win that series regardless of who they play. But I don't think they're as deep. I don't think they are as good as either Nashville or Winnipeg this year. I'm okay with being wrong in that one, but whatever. Last second round matchup that has been confirmed, Washington and Pittsburgh. The Battle of Crosby and Ovechkin, part four. And for all of those, for for those of you keeping score at home, every time Crosby and Ovechkin play, the Penguins win. Every time Crosby plays Ovechkin and they win in the playoffs, they win the cup. Please don't win. I, I cannot deal with another Pittsburgh win. Three-peat? No, I don't want to see it. But I think they're going to beat the Capitals. I don't think the Capitals are deep enough. I just, I have no faith in them. But they showed that they can do it against Columbus. Good for them. They're facing a tougher task in Pittsburgh. Let's see how this one plays out. Again, I still see Pittsburgh winning. It's, I just, I can't pick Washington. I, I can't do it. Crosby is too good. Gensel is playing out of his mind right now. Even Murray's playing well. Like I I can't I can't do it. So 
yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. And I guess I could touch the Tampa series. Um, Tampa outplayed New Jersey, although New Jersey, just like Colorado, didn't give up. Good for them. Uh, they had a they had a tough first round matchup. They couldn't pull. They only pulled one game out, but hey, they fought. They deserved their spot in the playoffs. Hats off to you, New Jersey, uh, Tampa. Good for you. You guys went through. Um, they are gonna face either Toronto or Boston. We'll figure that out tomorrow night. Anyways, from that on in, we'll uh, we'll take a look at the third round matchups when they get announced. I guess that's all I really have to say. Um. NHL awards have slowly started to be announced. Sorry, let me correct that. NHL award recipients have slowly started to be announced. Or candidates have slowly started to be announced. Wow. That was a struggle. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, and your nominees are coming in slowly but surely. So let's let's take a look. Vesna Trophy finalists. Hellebuck, Rene Vasilevsky. Uh, Justin would probably argue that Anderson should be in there, but I think these are the right three candidates. If you're going to pick one, good luck. I think it's between Vasilevsky and Hellebuck. And I think Hellebuck wins. I think he did more all throughout the season. Vasilevsky had a very fast start to the season, and he kind of tailed off a little bit. But, hey, either I think any of those guys are very deserving. Let's just keep going with uh, in order that they have them on the site. Uh, the Selkie Award for Best Defensive Forward. Your finalist, Bergeron, Couturier, Kopitar. I mean, it's hard to argue against Bergeron. He's been the best defensive forward for years, but I think Kopitar might actually win this one. Couturier is a very deserving finalist, though. So, there you go. The next big one is the Norris Trophy. Finalist, Drew Doughty, Victor Hedman, P.K. Subban. I don't. I, I am biased in the Norris Trophy. I don't think they always nominate the right people. Um, that being said, I think Hedman is the right person this year. I love Dowdy and I love Subban. I don't know if Subban should have been in the final three. Sorry. It's hard to say. But regardless, uh, I think Hedman wins this trophy. And because no one's here to argue with me, I'm just going to keep continuing. Uh, Lady Bing Trophy finalist, uh, Barkoff. William Carlson and Ryan O'Reilly. This is the most gentlemanly player. So the guy who doesn't get many penalties and plays on the right side of the law. Uh, I could not tell you who's going to win that one. Not a chance. So I'm not even going to try. I like Carlson. I hope he does because, hey, Vegas, whatever. Woo! Uh, Bill Masterson Memorial Trophy. Dedication to hockey. This is This is a hard one. Um, because this is all about the story that the comeback that these guys had to do, the story that they had to do to get to this point. Brian Boyle diagnosed with cancer before the season, uh, fought it. I believe he has won his battle against cancer. I don't know that for sure, and I apologize to anyone who is fighting cancer if I got that wrong. He is he is showing great strength, and watching him score his first goal this year after the diagnosis brought a tear to my eye. So good for him. Uh, Roberto Luongo fighting through all the stuff that happened at uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Um, being from that area, sorry, living in that area, that, that was a very hard thing for him to deal with. Um, and the third finalist is Jordan Stahl. And good on Stahl. Um, in late February, they announced that their daughter Hannah was... Uh, 
delivered stillborn due to a terminal birth defect, uh, which was previously diagnosed, but he it's still hard to deal with, as with uh, Carlson um, losing his son pre-birth. So all three are very well-deserving, and I think um, anyone who wins that award is well-deserving, so I'm not even going to say anyone deserves it over the other. So good for them. I think they all really do deserve it, so I'll let that one go. The Marc Messier NHL Leadership Award, which is uh, one that doesn't necessarily get talked about all that much, that uh, this award is given annually to the player who exemplifies great leadership qualities, not only to his team, but like off the ice stuff as well. So they become a huge person in the community. And that's one of the biggest things in, uh, in hockey. Like you got to become part of the community. And the three finalists are Derek Engeland, Wayne Simmons, and Blake Wheeler. Engeland for everything he did in the Las Vegas community amid the uh, tragic events in October with his uh, pregame speech. And then he even started running a program inviting those affected by the uh, tragedy to home games throughout the season. He also partnered with Ronald McDonald House and uh, Three Square to help children and families in need. And he continued a five-year relationship with local firefighters that he's raised over $40,000 for children who can't afford to play hockey. So... His, his impact on the Vegas scene has been thorough. Um, Wayne Simmons, he hosted different military units at, during every other Flyers home game. So not every game, but every other Flyers home game. Um, and he met each of those groups after giving them a private suite, which is unbelievable. He also reached out to a group of hockey players in the United States Air Force and invited them to practice and skate with the team their team after their tour of duty which is awesome. Um, he's been on the board of directors at the Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation since 2014. And he also hosts Wayne's Road Hockey Warriors, which is cool because he does that in Scarborough, so just around the corner from us. And Wheeler, he's, he's done a lot too. He's uh, an ambassador for the True North Youth Foundation, which is a big thing up in Winnipeg. Uh, it provides consistent and innovative programs for under underserved youth in Manitoba. Um, he also does a uh, summer camp stuff at Camp Manitou. He spent time with students at several events, including classroom visits and the Winnipeg Jets gala dinner. And he's also an on-ice instructor for the Winnipeg Jets Hockey Academy. So all three have done so much. I think this one goes to England because of everything he did post uh, Vegas shooting. He, he stepped up and showed that he is very well-deserving. And the last award, because I went off on a tangent there and I need to pull this back in, the Calder Memorial Trophy. Best rookie, Matthew Barzell, Brock Besser, Clayton Keller. Guess what? This is down to one person, and Matt Barzell wins this one. I love what those other two did, but Barzell was the best rookie of the year. Bar none. Here's our uh, hockey recap i think i got everything um every series all the awards yeah let's move on let's talk some nba because justin's not here and now i can actually talk nba playoffs are started every game every series has played four games now so it's a perfect time to talk uh 
I wouldn't necessarily say there have been many big surprises other than the New Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans. Wow, I can't speak. Uh, sweeping the Portland Trailblazers. Now, a lot of people will say it's a surprise because they won. I thought they were the better team. They think they have, when you have Anthony Davis playing at the uh, level that he has been playing, I think they have the better player. So I wasn't surprised that they won the series. I was a little surprised that they swept. I'm not going to lie. But winning the series, I had no issues. Over in the West, we also have Houston up 3-1. Golden State up 3-1. Go figure. Two best teams winning 3-1. I'm okay with that. Um, A bit of a shocker, the Utah Jazz are sitting up 3-1 on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Why is that a surprise? I honestly don't know. I didn't get to watch the Jazz much this year, so I didn't know much about them. I just know Oklahoma City, Russell Westbrook, he's a good player. Steven Adams, good player. Uh, Paul George, good player. But apparently not good enough. They're they're struggling. Um, Westbrook has struggled to shut down Ricky Rubio. And now we're looking at an elimination game in Game 5. Yeah, I, I don't see a whole lot of other surprises coming off in the West. I think Houston will get through Minnesota. I think Golden State will get through a depleted San Antonio Spurs team. Moving on to the next rounds, I, I see Houston and Golden State also winning those ones, so they'll meet in the conference final. You toss up, have fun figuring that out. I don't know anymore. The West is going to be one of those two teams for the next two, three years. So, yeah. Moving on over to the East. Um Two games are live right now, I should say. Philadelphia is up 3-1 on Miami in their series. That they've outplayed them thoroughly. With If it wasn't for Dwayne Wade, they probably would have swept this series. So good for Wade, but uh, the Heat are done. Um, Boston and Milwaukee are tied 2-2. Yeah, Boston is tied 2-2 with Milwaukee. Giannis is causing havoc once again. Um, they outplayed them thoroughly in game four, Milwaukee did, and if they keep doing that, I could see them taking out Boston. They're, they're struggling. Kyrie, I don't think he's playing right now, correct? Boy, I sound really bad. Um, yeah, he's not playing, so that, that really puts a damper on things. Gordon Hayward, obviously, at the beginning of the year, but... They, they could lose. I mean, they're winning right now. But if Giannis steps up again and Jabari Parker keeps playing like he is, six, seven games, Milwaukee could surprise them. Um, moving up to the top half of the bracket, Cleveland Cavaliers are tied 2-2 with the Indiana Pacers. Yes, King James is beatable. But is he beatable across the seven games by Indiana? I doubt it. Cleveland going to take this one. I have a feeling. And, of course, Toronto, the Raptors have done it again. They went on the road up two games. Now they're coming back home tomorrow night in the middle of Leaf Mania. Tied at two again. They cannot figure out how to close out series. Two games they went up. Two games. At home. And then you go on the road and lay an egg. All right, well, let's come home. Let's reset. Let's start again. I think they're the better team. All the way through, I think they're the better team. Valanchunas is the better center. Ibaka, uh, I, I don't like Ibaka. I, I, I can't say he's that good. OG, I like OG. 
He's a great addition to this starting lineup. DeRozan and Lowry are comparable with Wall and Beal. Actually, I think Wall and Beal might be a better pair, like individually. But I think the team around the Raptors is better. They just need to show it. They need to do it. And they haven't. So figure it out. You're struggling. You got to figure it out. Um, If they can get through the Wizards, they get the Cavaliers. That'll be the test. I don't think the Wizards were supposed to be the test. The Cavs were supposed to be the test. And we're already struggling with the Wizards. Good luck. That's all I can say. Good luck. I don't have a whole lot to talk about NBA. So let's move on. MLB. It's been fun. The number of position players pitching this year is unbelievable. And I love it. I love it. But let's get into some of the surprising stories. All right. Let's talk players first. Mookie Betts is hitting 366, ladies and gentlemen. Is he the best right fielder in baseball? I'm not kidding. People are asking that question. He could easily make that statement. I, I don't know Bryce Harper, but I would also argue that Mookie's better defensively. Aaron Judge, same thing. Mookie has as many home runs as him. And he also has 16 less strikeouts. Who else? I'm not even going to say J.D. Martinez. I don't think he's that good. Yes, Puig. He's batting 205. John Carlos Stanton's batting 224 with 32 strikeouts. Mookie Betts, there you go. Best right fielder in baseball. Hey, Manny Machado, he's playing pretty good too. He's batting 360. Good for him. But then you look at some of the other guys who are batting above 300. And yes, it's 20-ish games into the season. But Dansby Swanson, former first overall pick, shortstop for the Atlanta Braves. He's batting 329. He's got 12 RBIs. He's looking pretty good. Ryan Flaherty. Yeah, Ryan Flaherty. Another Brave. He's looking pretty good. He's batting 339 with 8 RBIs, 11 walks. Yeah, yeah, 11 walks. Figure that out. Okay. T.D. Gregorius. 324. Some people are saying he's a better player. Not me. But some people are trying to say that he could be a better player than Derek Jeter. Now. We need to pump the brakes a little. Derek Jeter was a great player. There's no doubt about it. Derek Jeter was a great player. But can we say that there's a possibility that Didi could be as good as him eventually? Yes. 
Now, Jeter had five seasons where he batted over 324. Five. DD batted 287 last year, which is admirable. Okay, no issues with DD. All right. But let's see what what happens. Cuz he's a good defensive player too. He had one error this year. Okay? One one error. I don't think he's as good as Derek Jeter. I'm not trying to make that argument, okay? But he could be good. He could be a really good piece for that Yankees lineup. They're using him to hit between Judge and Stanton, giving them both protection, but he's hitting well enough that it does it's not really protection anymore. Let me know what you guys think. I would love to hear it. So um some other big stories. Hey, guess what? Shohei Otani. Yes, that's right. Shohei Otani has showed up. Guys batting a ridiculous. Let me get this number right. I want to find this. Batting. Hello. He's batting 333 with three home runs, 11 RBIs. He has 12 strikeouts. That needs to change. But he's 14 hits and 42 at-bats. Guess what? He's no slouch at the plate. Oh, yeah. He's also pitching pretty well. Let's see, a 3.6 ERA. He's only given up six runs in 15 innings with 19 strikeouts. Yeah, 19 strikeouts in 15 innings. He's adjusted, and he's adjusted well. That's a huge story right now for the Angels and all of the major leagues, if you ask me, because... What's more fun than to watch some of the best young players in the game play? And it's not only helped the Angels, but they're half game back of Houston right now. Who they play right now. Literally, as I speak, they're playing. Do I think they're going to push the the Astros the whole season? Probably not. But a wild card berth is more than likely. The Seattle Mariners are 12 and 10 in that division too, and the Oakland A's are 12 and 11. Guess what? That's four teams above 500. Then you look in the Central. There's four teams below 500. Yes, even the Minnesota Twins are below 500. Looking in the National League, there's two or three. There's three divisions with three or more teams at or above 500. What is going on? Arizona leads their division by four games over the Dodgers. St. Louis and Milwaukee lead their division a game and a half up on Pittsburgh. Not on the Cubs, on Pittsburgh. And the Mets lead their division over Philadelphia, Atlanta, and they're five and a half games up on the defending division champs, 
the Washington Nationals. I don't understand how this is happening, but it is, and people need to figure it out. If you go up to the AL, I already mentioned the Central Division, four teams below 500. I already mentioned the West Division, four teams above 500. Well, how about the good old East? Toronto Blue Jays are sitting in second. They're four games back. They're 13-8, and and they're four games back of the division lead. Boston has been playing out of their mind. Now, how much do I think this is going to last all year? Not a whole lot. I think the Yankees are going to overtake the Jays. But they're not as boring as we thought they were going to be. They're not. I want them to be because I want them to suck. Because I know they're not going to win this year. But they're not as boring as we wanted them to be. Anyways, I don't think there's any other really big stories in the MLB. So let's move on. TFC has a rather big game coming up. For those of you who have been living under a rock or not football fans. CONCACAF Champions League final. Leg two. Leg one went last Tuesday. It did not go the way we wanted. TFC lost 2-1 in that game. But anyone who watched that game and has any idea about soccer knows they outplayed Guadalajara. The first goal should not have counted. That should not have been a uh, throw-in for Guadalajara. There's no way. All right? It went off the Guadalajara man. Should not have been a throw-in for them. It should have been a TFC throw. Osorio was out of position. That was his fault. Okay? The whole thing could have been fixed, but it wasn't. Oh, well. We move on. TFC goes and scores. Very nicely as well, for those wondering. And then we have to go see the rest of the game. And Guadalajara gets a free kick from outside the box on a very odd-looking position. And the wind helps it. It's it's an unfortunate thing, but the wind helped that ball go in. And Bono got caught. So, the game ends 2-1. But it was not a 2-1 game. TFC had 13 shots on target to Guadalajara's 7. They had 19 shots total. Guadalajara had 15. Okay? Guadalajara had more yellow cards. More fouls. They had more steals as well, but that's because the ball possession was in TFC's favor. Guadalajara was caught offside more. TFC had more corner kicks, more passes. The passing accuracy was ridiculous. They outplayed Shivas. But Shivas got the result. Now TFC has to go into Guadalajara and score two goals. You score two goals, you at least guarantee a chance at at extra time. If you win 2-1 in Guadalajara in regulation, you go to extra time. If you win 3-1, you win. If you win by two goals, you win. It's as simple as that. They're the better team. 
now they have to go down there and do it. They have to show it. And they haven't done that in the regular season. They've played three, they've played five games, and they've lost four. They haven't looked good. But they've looked good in the Champions League, and now's the time to pull it out. So as much as I love TFC and I'm going to watch this game, I'm going to watch it after the Leaf game. I'm sorry, I can't. Game seven of the Leafs at Boston. Also, the game starts at 7.30. It's two hours ahead, so I'm going to try to watch both of them, but we'll figure it out. But they need to go. They need to go show that they're the better team, and they can. I know they can. Let's just see it happen. They also have the tragedy from yesterday to help boost their team. Every team seems to play better when they have the support of their city around them. And when the city needs them, the teams always step up. So having that at their back, it's looking good. Let's jump over to Europe. Uh, And begrudgingly, I have to say this. Congratulations to Manchester City. Yes, they have officially been crowned the EPL champions. And you can hear it in my voice. It pains me to every fiber of my being. Especially because it was United's loss that guaranteed them the trophy. But the season's not over. There's still four games left. City has done a great job. They're sitting on 90 points right now. And they're well on their way to push for the highest point total ever, which was 95 set by Chelsea in 2004-2005. They're sitting on 90. They got four games left. It's possible. It's unfortunate, but it's possible. Each point, each win is three points, and honestly, you look at their schedule, I don't see a whole lot of people stopping them. You got West Ham, Huddersfield, Brighton, Hove, Albion, and Southampton. Let's go back to the table, shall we? The highest team that they play is currently 13th. Yeah, I think they'll get that point total. But let's look at some of the other records that they've already broken. They already have, I think they already have, uh, they're one win away from tying Chelsea for the most wins in a season. They are uh, 16 points clear right now. The record is 18, which is totally possible considering United's schedule coming up isn't exactly a walk in the park. Um, They won't get the home wins record, though, which surprised me a little bit. Uh considering that they have been pretty good at home. They still have a chance, though, to get the away wins record. The current record is 15. They have 14 with two games left, so it's totally a possibility. We'll have to see. This team is so good. They have been the best team in the league all year, so congratulations to them. I hate saying it because I'm a United fan, and... United should always beat City, but this year City was the better team. 
I also want to touch on Champions League quickly today. Big match. Liverpool stepped up. Beating Roma 5-2 at Anfield. They were up 5-0 at one point. 5-0. Liverpool. The same team who, by the way, is currently seated. Uh, oh, they're third. I'm surprised by that. I thought they were lower. So I'm going to bite my tongue there. But they were a 5 nothing on a Roma team who just knocked out Barcelona. They're no slouch. And now Liverpool gets to go into Rome. With a three-goal lead. Three-goal cushion. You just have to make sure the other team loses. Wins by two or less. Two or less. That's fantastic. They could go into the final and play Bayern or Real, who play tomorrow. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Anyways, I think that'll do it for us here at Garage Door Sports. I guess for me here at Garage Door Sports. Next week we will have someone hosting with me. Hopefully it'll be Justin. We do miss him. We apologize about missing last week. Schedules just did not work out. But as always, we want to thank you. And uh, if you want to follow us, make sure you follow on Twitter. Follow on Facebook. I will be posting a poll about my Jake Gardner trade proposal. I would love to hear from you guys. Please make sure you vote on that. Whether you think I'm crazy or you think I might be onto something. I've had mixed reviews on that trade, so I want to see what the NHL fan base actually believes. And make sure you check us out. Make sure you share it with your friends. And make sure you keep listening. So for all of us here at Garage Door Sports... My name is Nick McVicker, and we will see you next time.